Thank you, guys. <clears throat> I want to thank our all-men's choir. Give them a round of applause. Did you do that? That's a great job. Good job. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry, for leading our choir. Thank our praise team. Thank all of you this morning <clears throat> for uh, taking part in our worship service. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. <clears throat> I'm going to share with you. It's not a message directly to the men. But uh, the title of the message is, What Happens When a Christian Sins? What Happens When a Christian Sins? And so if we're going to be the man or the woman that God wants us to be, we have to deal with, this, uh, with the issue of sin. First, if we're not a Christian, you're going to have to deal with the issue of sin either here or some other time uh, in the hereafter. And if you are a believer, we need to deal with sin on a regular basis, make sure our life is pure and free uh, from known sin, the very best we do, we have to have to repent and ask God to cleanse our heart and our mind uh, each day. So what happens when a Christian sins? We started out this morning with a brotherhood breakfast uh, at, uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, although uh, the alarm service called me at a quarter to 6, and the alarm was going off, and I knew who was over here cooking and uh, but they got surprised this morning. They forgot to turn the alarm off. But anyway, we had a, a great time, good breakfast, and, and then Richard Crumpton spoke to us and challenged us as men, and then I had Bible fellowship and now great worship service and allowed God to speak to us through Psalm 51. Just going to read the first four verses of Psalm 51 and then uh, look at those as we think about what happens when a Christian sins. Psalm 51, verse 1, David is, this is also known as a prayer of repentance. It's a repentant psalm. It takes place after David had sinned and had repented. He's crying out to the Lord still. Psalm 51, verse 1, David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your love and kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come and worship you today. And I pray now after a great worship time from our heart, lifting up songs and praise to you, praise songs to you, Lord. We pray now that you would take charge of this service and speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're dealing with a, a major subject in regards to sin. How do we react as non-believers and believers when we sin, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Guide me, I pray. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in, and may you be honored and glorified in it all. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As Baptists, <clears throat> we believe in the doctrine of the security of the believer. We believe that if a person is truly saved, that their salvation 
is forever secure. And we believe this based on um, a lot of passages. Uh, Again, I'm just going to share just a few. John chapter 3, you're familiar with these. John chapter 3, I believe, verse, uh, verse 15 and 16. Listen to God's word. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look down to verse 36 in John 3. He who believes in the son has, past tense, has everlasting life. We have it now. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You'll turn over uh, uh, to chapter 4, look at verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water, of water springing up into everlasting life. Turn over to chapter 5, verse 24. God's word says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Look at chapter 6, verse 40. Chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Turn way over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Let's look at another passage there in verse 3. John 17 verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we believe that if a person truly is saved, their, their salvation is secure forever. So what happens when a Christian sins? What happens when we sin? Adrian Rogers told about a prize fighter who had uh, been converted and at the same time thought that he'd been called to preach. The problem was he thought he had the gift of preaching, but nobody had the gift of listening. And so he goes out and he finds him a street corner and he begins to preach on that street corner. And one man came by to hear him preach, and he was a professed atheist. And the prize fighter and this atheist would get into arguments. And finally one day the prize fighter said, Listen, if I can prove one verse in the Bible to be true, would you apologize for all the things you said against the Bible? And the atheist said, Okay, I will. And so he opened, so he reached out to, the prize fighter reached out to that atheist, and he took his nose, and he twisted his nose until his blood, till blood fell out, fell from both nostrils of his nose. And then he quoted Proverbs 30, verse 33, the churning of milk produces butter, and the wringing of the nose produces blood. <laughs> now don't y'all try that? But the point is this, just as sure as the churning of milk produces butter and the wringing of the nose produces blood, if you're bound to sin, then you're bound to suffer, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. 
Romans 6.23 says it this way, for the wages of sin is death. Now that means to the lost person, it means also to the saved person. The wages of sin is death, physical death, spiritual death to the lost person. But the wages of sin is death, physical death. Oftentimes we bring on physical death to ourselves because of our sins. And so the wages of sin is death. In Psalm 51 you have David, and David has sinned. He sinned with Bathsheba. He looked upon Bathsheba from his rooftop. Now, when you go to Israel, everything's on a hill. I mean, you're, you're just on top of a hill, and you're looking down, and when you look down, you're looking on top of other roofs below you. It's an amazing feat to see. You're just looking down, and you see these roofs, and when I was there, I could imagine David just looking down, and on top of a roof, he saw Bathsheba. If you remember, he called her to, his, to himself, and he had this relationship with her, and she became pregnant. She was married. Uriah was a Hittite. He'd gone out to war, and all the generals had gone out, and David was where he wasn't supposed to be. He was at home. He should have been out fighting like the rest, but he stayed home, and because of this, he, he went into this adulterous affair with Bathsheba. He committed this horrible sin. It was a, a heinous sin, a hurtful sin, but at the same time, he was a child of God, and saying that, I believe that I'll, one day I'll be able to see and sit down and talk with David in heaven because the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. But he didn't lose his salvation, but he sure suffered following that sin. And so Psalm 51 is a repentance psalm. It was written, written after David got right with God. And so we want to see what the consequences are when we sin, the consequences in the life of a Christian when we sin. If you want to jot these down, there's only three. The first is this. Sin dirties the soul. And we can see this from the life of David. Sin dirties the soul. David prayed, oh God, wash me. God, just cleanse me. Now, you have to remember, he's the king. He's the king. And the king, he was used to royal robes and he was used to satin sheets and silk sheets, and he took a bath, no doubt, in a marble bathtub. He was, he was the king. He used that perfume soap. You know, uh, Judy goes to Bath and Body, and I don't know, we got every, every scent. If you ever wanted to smell, it's at our house. If you think you're missing one, come by our house. You can sniff it. She's got all this bath soap. She's got this Mr. Teal's, Mr. Teal's, she puts in her bath water. Some of you ladies, some of you men shaking your head too. And then, and then this new thing she tried out recently, and it was called Snow Angel, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going to happen now after she takes a bath in Snow Angel. But anyway, you can imagine how luxury, uh, what a luxury uh, bath he would take. And he just seemed to have it all, but with all of that, with all of that, he felt dirty. He felt unclean. That's what sin does. Makes you feel grimy. It makes you feel nasty. And David would cry out to the Lord, Lord, God, just wash me. Cleanse me. You see, when a child of God sins spiritually, you, you're just going to feel dirty. You feel dirty. And so the point is, if you don't feel dirty after you sin then you need to ask God this. God, am I saved? Am I saved? Because I don't feel dirty and I don't feel unclean. 
Am I saved? You see, it doesn't bother a pig to get dirty because that's the element that the pig lives in. He lives in the dirt, lives in the mud. He just loves the mud. He loves the dirt. However, the child of God realizes that he's dirty or she's dirty when they sin. And so I suggest to you this morning that there's a lot of people who have religion, but they've never been cleansed to begin with. And so it's serious. sin is serious because it makes you feel dirty. They've been uh, kindly, you know, they've kindly been, uh, they've been starched and they've been ironed and kindly hung out, but they've never been washed. They, they look straight, but, but they've never been washed. And so this dirt is drowned in, and it's been there all the time. However, a true child of God, when he sins, he or she feels unclean. So the point is this, if you sin and you don't feel unclean and you don't feel dirty and you don't feel grimy spiritually, then you need to ask yourself, am I a child of God? Have I been saved? And so David saved, he cried out to God, oh God, will you wash me, will you cleanse me? So what happens when a Christian sins? Sin dirties the soul, verse 2. Now look at something else. Sin dominates the mind. If you would, look at verse 3. Psalm 51, verse 3. He says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Saw something I've never seen in this verse before. Notice what he says. This, this sin of mine, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin. My sin is always before me. Now think about that. Think about your sin always been before you. David said, my sin is always before me. Day and night, then night to morning. Day and night, night to day. My sin is ever before me. 24 hours a day, my sin is before me. Now, the point is, David was conscious about his sin always. It was always before him. Now, there's a test that you can give yourself to see if you're saved or if you're not saved. Not if you don't sin. That's not the test. But if you sin, and you're able to ignore it, and you're able to forget it. As a believer, God will not let you forget your sin. It'll always be before you. The Holy Spirit will put his finger right on the spot, and he'll push. And oftentimes, if you refuse to confess your sin, from personal experience, you know what God does? He brings it out into the public himself. If you don't confess it privately to him, he'll bring it publicly out to everyone else. And so a believer, as a believer, God will not let us forget our sins. The Holy Spirit will put his finger on it. He'll, he'll push it. He'll bring it out. David said, my sin is always before me. The point is, his sin dominated his mind. Think of that. His sin dominated his mind. That doesn't mean that he was consciously thinking about his sin all the time. It doesn't mean that. You know, you may, you may be at work, you may be doing your job, you may be at school, you may be taking, doing a math problem, and you're not thinking about, at that precise moment, about your sin. But that doesn't mean that your sin goes away. It's always before you. It's sin, either in your conscience mind or it's in your subconscious mind. So 
So you may, you may try to put it out of your mind, but it comes back. And you try not to think about it. You know, the more you try not to think about something, the more you'll think about it. And that's the way sin is. The more you try to put that sin out of your mind, the more it stays on your mind. It'll show up. It'll show, it'll show, up, it'll show up in your emotions. It'll show up in your temper. It'll, it'll show up in your sleep. Restless sleep, not able to sleep. It'll show up in your joy. Your joy it robs your joy. Sin robs your joy. It'll show up in your emotions, your temper, your sleep, your joy. Your sin will be with you night and day. And your sin, your sin, you can't forget it. You can't just push it away. You can't forget it. So the question is this. Have I ever sinned? The question is not this. Have I ever sinned? We've sinned. All of us have sinned. But you know, there, there, are, two kinds, uh, there are two kinds of wounds to the human soul. Let me mention this real quick. I thought this was kind of neat. Two kinds of wounds. The first wound to our soul is guilt. Guilt's a terrible wound. Then the second guilt is sorrow. Sorrow's a terrible wound. Sorrow is a, but sorrow is a clean wound. Clean wound. You know, this, this coming Tuesday, we'll have the funeral for Kathy's uh, dad. And I know there's a lot of sorrow there in that family. I've been to three, I'll be, be going to three funerals in three weeks conducted but been part of two went to uh we went to uh, jacob williams's funeral had that funeral and that affected it was it was so sorrowful and it affected our school it affected our kids our faculty administration affected so many people and of course his family and then this past week <coughs> excuse me i went to i had a third had a uh, second cousin to die and had not seen him in years and years and went to to his graveside service and and then this coming Tuesday, we'll be going to uh, Kathy's dad's funeral. And sorrow is a, is a clean wound. And what I mean by that, you give it time. You give it time, and it heals. It heals. The wound, the scar be there, but the wound heals. But, but guilt is not like that. Guilt is not a clean wound. Guilt is a, is a nasty wound. Guilt festers. It just... It just festers like a sore fester. And, you know, in order for that guilt, uh, for that guilty wound to be healed, uh, that sin has to be forgiven. It has to be forgiven. And the moment your sin is forgiven, you see an amazing thing. The wound, that guilty wound just dries up and God just cleanses you from that guilt. It's amazing, but that's what he does. David said, God, my soul feels so dirty. Cleanse me, wash me. God, my mind is, is dominated by what I've done. And then third and finally, he, sin disgraces the Lord there in verse 4. Look at verse 4, if you will. Verse 4, Psalm 51. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil. Oh, and I underline this. Never had really thought about it. But I've done this evil where? In your sight. I've done this evil in your sight. Wow, I've, I've sinned against you. Notice that. God, against you, verse 4, against you, you only, have I sinned. Well, against whom did David sin? Well, 
well, he committed adultery, he, he committed fornication, so he, he sinned against his body. The Bible says that if you, if you sin immorality, a sin of immorality, you sin against your own body. He sinned against himself. He sinned against his wife. He sinned against his children. He sinned against his family. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. It doesn't say that. Who did he sin against? He says, God you only, verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil. Notice what he says, in your sight. You see, sin is an affront to God. Sin is against a holy God. And all of a sudden, it dawns on David. David loved God. That's why his heart's broken. He, he loved God, and David said, I've done evil in your sight. You know, when someone wants to commit adultery or some immoral sin, most of the time they kind of go somewhere or they find a secret place somewhere or they have a rendezvous somewhere, uh, some hiding place. But all of a sudden, it dawned on David, my God, you were watching me. Your eyes saw me. I have done this evil in your sight. Wow. Man, that changes everything. God, he says, the God I love, I've sinned against you. I have broken your law, but I've broken your heart. And so the point, an unsaved person sometimes feels bad about what, they've, what, sin they've, what sin's done to them, but a saved person feels bad for what their sin does to God. Big difference. That's the difference between saved and lost. What sin's done to me is terrible. Lost person. Saved person. What sin has done to God breaks my heart. 200 years ago when they were slaves, when a slave sinned, he was afraid of the whip. And when the son disobeys, he's hurt because he's displeased his father. David said, my sin has dirtied my soul. My sin has dominated my life. My sin has disgraced my God. God, I have sinned against you. I don't know where you are this morning. Uh, you that are here or you in some other means. But I know what happens when a person sins, whether they're lost or whether they're saved. Your soul is dirty. Your mind is dominated by your sin, and you've brought a disgrace to God. However, God's willing, this is what's so good, God's willing to forgive you and to cleanse you if you'll simply confess your sin and turn to him and ask him to forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If you confess your sin, that word confess means to see it the same way God sees it. You don't justify it, rationalize it. You say, God, this is sin. I know it's sin. I know how you see it. If you confess your sin, see it as God sees it. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And you've heard me say perhaps before that cleansing is kind of like rubbing on a, rush, uh, on a rub board. 
you know, we'd go to Nicaragua or Romania, and we'd, we'd see people washing their clothes in the creek. And they didn't have a rub board. They had a, they had a rock. They had a stone. And they would get down, and they were washing a white dress or a, a white shirt, and they'd be rubbing against that hard surface, hard surface, and they'd rub and rub and rub until they get the stain on it. That's cleansing. That's rubbing till there's no stain left. And God says, if you'll come to me and ask me to forgive you and to save you, I will rub your sin out. There will be no stain left in your life. My goodness, can you imagine that? And when he does that, he removes not only the stain, but he removes the guilt in your life. The hurt and the pain that sin causes, he removes that. He does that by you coming and confessing your sins and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of my sins. And he does. He does. This morning, I pray if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you may be a guest. You may be uh, viewing on TV and you're wherever. If you would just pray and ask Christ to forgive you and come into your life and save you and cleanse you from his, your sin, he promises to do that. If you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we understand now as those who are unbelievers and those who are, who are believers how much sin affects us and the ways it affects us. And so I pray this morning, Lord, during this invitation time, not my invitation, not this church's, but your invitation, as you invite people to come to you for a cleansing, for a cleansing, to remove the dirt and the filth from our lives, whatever and however it is in our lives. Father, we know that all sin is sin to you. There's no uh, white lies. It's all lies. There's no little sins and big sins. It's all sin. And so, Father, we have to come clean with you. We have to come clean. We have to ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us, Lord. If we're going to be the people you've called us to be, and if we're going to enter into that place called heaven that's pure and clean and spotless and holy, something has to be done with our sins. And so I pray for those who have never trusted you today that they can come to you for a cleansing of their sin today. Receive you into their life to be their Lord, their Savior, to give their life to you. And Lord, when this life is over, Lord, they'll have that, that assurance of that home in heaven. For Christians, Father, whose witness is hindered because their life is just so messed up with sin, unconfessed sin, I pray it'll be a cleansing time this morning for all of us as we ask you, as you search our hearts to reveal any sin, any secret sin, anything we've rationalized or anything. Help us, Lord, we pray, to cry out to you to forgive us our sins. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.